0: Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk the podcast. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist, and we have an awesome show planned for today. We're talking about two of my very favorite things with Sarah Bingham, who is founder of we Hand. Hi, Sarah. Hello.
1: I've got a big smile, and I realize that
0: you can't see that big smile. I've got to talk.
1: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so happy to be here.
0: <laughs> well, that's the beauty of a podcast. Nobody knows what you look like on the other end, but most of the time we can tell when people are smiling because it comes across in their voice. But, yeah, thankfully Wonderful. nobody can see what I look like every Monday afternoon when I'm doing this show. So there you go. Usually I do announcements at the beginning, but Sarah's only going to be with us for about 45 minutes today because she has a client at, at in an hour. And so I'll do announcements and that kind of what a thing that I usually do at the beginning. We'll do that at the end of the show today. So we'll get going with our topic. And again, we're talking about Things that I love, using sign language and singing or music to facilitate language in our youngest little clients. And Sarah, you yeah. don't specifically focus on children with delays. You see all kinds of kids, correct?
1: I do see all kinds of kids. I, when I initially started practicing it, I was working with little ones um, with autism and Down syndrome, and I was working with a with a center in Toronto called Surrey Play Center, and it, I was within the infancy and early childhood division, so it was the youngsters. And um, now we're signing with just about everybody. Um, in yeah. our classes, probably about two percent may have a delay of some sort, but the great majority are just typically developing kids.
0: Yeah, and whose parents just want to use signs as a way to help them communicate before those words come in, maybe? Is that yeah. what you're hearing from parents? Yeah. And I think that's pretty common. And when I first was in school back in the late 80s, early 90s. Sign language at that point was really new, and it was cutting edge. And there were so many parents who had so many questions about, you know, will using signs prevent my child from talking? Will, you know, this seems odd to me. My child doesn't have a hearing loss. Why would you want me to sign with him? All those things. And some of those Missed. Continue now, but thankfully, yes, signing is. is yeah is much more accepted and not nearly the amount of pushback that I first felt when I when I first started practicing 20 years ago. And I don't know how old you are, Sarah. I don't, and I'm I hate to ask that of a guest, but I don't know how long <laughs> you've practiced. And so I don't know if if those you still hear those things though, so even now I, don't it's,
1: you? it's funny, I've gotta say that I've been interviewed a couple of times but no one's ever asked my age.
0: <laughs> well I'm but not I, asking. So, I'm just saying, you know, twenty well, years ago you're asking now, my <laughs>
1: not necessarily chronological age, but the but the clinical age, if that's any such thing. <laughs> there you all.
0: go. That's funny. But that's I graduated.
1: Funny. Um, I, I I'm I'm calling from from Canada and um, I am not a speech-language pathologist. I am trained as a communicative disorder assistant, uh, and that's a uh-huh. graduate certificate, certificate program here in in Canada. And uh-huh. my diploma says I graduated in 1994. Well, there um, you go. So, so I've been right practicing for years. yeah. Oh, now I'm yeah. depressed. <laughs>
0: No way! That just means we no. have some miles on us. We have
1: some experience. Absolutely, we, absolutely. We know what
0: we're talking about now.
1: Yeah. Yes, and and really, I've been. We hands was born in in 2001. Um, my son was born in 2000, and you can put the put the baby age together yes. there. Um, so <laughs> when I when I was, was practicing in the 90s, I I was working with. Adults and preschoolers and, and 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 younger ones with delays. So Down syndrome, mm-hmm. autism. We don't know what went wrong, but something went wrong. Global delays. Right. And I signed right. with the majority of them because um, that was their way of of. Um, communicating. I worked with a fantastic speech-language pathologist. Um, actually, she, she was from Kentucky, so every now and then I'd I, I go into the New Toronto twang. Uh, she was just fantastic. <laughs> and what she said to me was, we're going to use a total communication approach, and right. we are going to encourage speech, we're going to encourage the use of pictures, and we're going to mm-hmm. encourage the use of sign. And right. whatever the client chooses to use to communicate, that's what we're going to use. And, and at that point in time, we were talking about we were working with adults with developmental delays. Um, mm-hmm. So her, her approach was just refreshing that, of course, we're going to do all three. And that's been my philosophy ever since um, I first started working. Yeah, we Kentucky speech pathologists, we know what we're talking about, don't we? I know, yeah. you're all fantastic, and every <laughs> once in a while I will I will come out with something that Sue Troncho said to me 15 years ago, and, and these people in Ontario, I'll say it with a twang, and they're like, why are you talking like that? Why are you saying y'all so much? <laughs> <It's> because Sue's <laughs> voice is in my head.
0: <laughs> it's emblazoned upon your memory. All right, so Absolutely. you've done this forever. You've done signing forever. With you know your clinical practice, and so have I. But let's just start. I always like to start by addressing those myths right yeah. away. So just in case we have someone who is not, uh, you know, well versed in this, maybe we have some newer therapists who, I think. Signing is so accepted in the field of speech language pathology now, but we do have therapists who listen to my show, who are in other disciplines, but still in early intervention, and may not know this information. And I always think it's good for us to talk about dispelling these myths so that therapists who wholeheartedly support signing and who sign instinctively with clients still know Mm -hmm. what to say when they occasionally will come across someone who is questioning why we would use sign language with, with children who hear. So let's talk about some of those, those myths and, and why they're, it's incorrect information because I'm sure those are the questions that you get asked all the time since this is what you live and breathe.
1: Yeah, and well, some of those questions I'm not asked as much. Um, when I when I first started, I would go to parenting shows and events, and, and parents would look at me and kind of whisper and say, "Oh, that's for for kids with special needs." And, and um, when Meet the Fockers came out, I think it was 2005 ish uh, when they mm-hmm. were signing with with the baby, although there were two of them. Um, right. it, it just brought it to light. So the year after that movie came out, people were asking me, okay, when do I start? Um, Where are your classes? And so it lessened some of those questions. Um, But we do every once in a while get someone who will say it will delay speech. Um, They won't talk. Why would they talk when they can sign? And so many answers in my head right now. I've got to get one of them out for you. (laughs) Um, First of all, I wouldn't have signed with my own kids. Um, if it had, if I knew of anything that was going to delay speech, and, and everything yeah. that I do, I tried to be very research-based. Um, and Joshua signed at, at nine months, and Sabrina signed at 11 months. Um, Joshua's first clear word probably wasn't until about 12 months, um, mm-hmm. and it just allowed me to see what, what what they were thinking of, where their interests were, so much earlier. Yeah. And both of them had at least 80 words by the time they were 17 months old. Um, and that's a combination of their signs and their speech. And compare that to a, to a typical child, it, it's not just cute, and it is cute, but it's, it's phenomenal. They were functionally nice. using more than 80 words. Um, I was nice. counting with Josh, and he had 80 spoken words that he used clearly, and then he had 60 signs. Um, that he was very using very clearly very very intentionally. Um, Sabrina two years later had more, um, but I lost right. count with her because she was a second baby. And- <laughs> That's just what happens. Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, I guess she got other stuff that Josh didn't get. Um, but Gosh. but at the same time, I everything. I, I did used to teach at Durham College in, um, in Ontario, just east of Toronto, and every summer, every summer semester, my students had a question from, that I had gotten from a speech pathologist years ago, and she had emailed me, and she said, Sarah, we're having difficulty with one of the daycare centers where one of our three-year-olds with Down syndrome is. Um, the daycare staff are not buying in or not believing that sign will not um, discourage speech, um, can right. you give me some research, and so that was an email that I actually got from a, a very very knowledgeable speech pathologist, but she wanted research mm-hmm. to back up to to share sure. with the child care center so i give that I gave that question to my students every summer, and they had to research at night and i said i you don 't have to write a a a paper pro my stance if you if there's evidence out there, go find it pro or con right. for signing. Um, and no one ever was able to find any research that said sign, signing with little ones will delay speech. Um, I've never
0: seen anything that says that either. Now, there are some things that are coming out now that that talk about there are really specific populations of children that may do that may, because of their difficulties with social communication, not use signs as readily as some other methods, but overall signing is so supported as a way to facilitate early speech language development. And it certainly there's no research that says it's harmful or that mm-hmm. it will, again, delay speech. So I think it's just our number one go-to strategy for late talkers, and I have found it to be just, the fastest and easiest way to reduce frustration in yeah. our little friends our our you know little one and two year old friends who have not had a way to communicate with their moms mm-hmm. and dads and, and daycare teachers or whomever and so again I think it's it's um, a great great tool now do you have some of those references on hand? that I am I putting you on the spot by saying that because I have the great reference that I always share in my conferences when I when I teach uh, continuing education conferences throughout the country. But, and I should have asked you this before I put you on the spot, but do you have some of those that you routinely quote, some of, that, some well, of those studies? When,
1: when, you, when you say that, I'm, I'm so glad I'm doing this in my office because I can reach out to my shelf <laughs> and, and, and pull out. It, it, it actually is it is my book, the baby signing book. Um, yeah. And the, the reference section, I made sure that all the references are quoting only journal articles. Um, right. so it, they're, they're all in there I mean, I mean when you talk about frustrations as well um, I'm, I'm now working um, at, a, at a clinic called Blue Balloon and mm-hmm. we have speech paths, occupational therapists um, physiotherapists, psychologists and behavior therapists and, and I'm thinking of the behavior therapists right now um, they look at behaviors in terms of what motivates behaviors and typically right. there's four four things that motivate behaviors, a need a need for something that you want, um, to mm-hmm. escape a situation, to gain attention, or for sensory reasons. And those first three are communication. So they're right. misbehaving or, or showing you challenging behaviors because they want something. If they can sign cookie and, and not have the meltdown and just communicate to you that they want a cookie, you can go on to other things. Or if they can get your attention um, by pointing to the car that they really want to talk to that just drove by the house or signing Mm -hmm. finished that you know what I'm done I'm completely done thank you for coming (laughs) but I'm done (laughs) Um, and those are the reasons for the terrible twos and those tantrums that we see those challenging behaviors because they can't communicate and whether they are the age of two and they're typically developing or they're a five-year-old with Down syndrome or or, um, an adult with delays that are that are older Everybody wants to communicate, and they just don't have a way to clearly, um, effectively communicate.
0: Right. Yeah, I think it's I, – I can't wait to look at that portion of your book. I haven't taken a look at that but Tell us about your book, because I know if anybody's listening and thinking, okay, I want to get my hands on that list of <laughs> – those 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 research based things. Go ahead and tell us about your book, and then we'll kind of sure. get back to some of the. Other stuff. The
1: book is very very appropriately named the baby signing book, and I know they Robert Rose is a publisher. They asked me to write it in two thousand and six, and and at the time there were probably about two or three baby signing books out there, and and I thought, well, I don't know if I want to write a book. Um, and then my mom came into my head and said, write a book, write a book. Um, right. So what I wanted to be different in the baby signing book is I wanted to look at what parents were really functionally asking me. I wanted to look at the first hundred words that a, that a child learns. Right. I wanted to look at what the hundreds of parents in my classes, what the signs they want to know. Um, so right. making it really functional. Um, mm-hmm. There's a number of songs that are listed in the book. But the other thing I wanted to put in... The other questions that parents ask me, and, and because I have a speech and language background, I can I can guide and direct them. They would come up and ask, okay, my 10-month-old really likes peaches. How do you sign peaches? So I would show them that. And the other thing they would end up asking me is, I have a baby, but you know what? I also have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and the two-and-a-half-year-old isn't speaking. What do I do? Um, right. Because I have a background and I know the resources in my area, I can, I can direct those parents. Um, so I also wanted to put language milestones in the book. And it covers language milestones from zero to three years of age, mm-hmm. um, chunking it down into six-month segments. So for every six months, you'll see the milestones, you'll um, get some tips about how to encourage them, um, mm-hmm. and you can record when your child reached that milestone. So you can use it as not only as a baby signing book, but you can use it as a baby book to keep a record of, of how your little one learns to talk and communicate and, and use speech. Especially
0: if it's that second, third, or fourth baby, because again, as we go down that birth order, we're not always as good about scrapbooking and those things. We might have done before.
1: No, I know. So, so I really encourage. I mean, anybody for any book, I encourage them to dive into it, break the spine, and and show that that book is well loved. Um, so p- parents can write yeah. the date their child achieved. Um, Milestones, and and they can also, with every picture of a sign in there, they can introduce when the date that you started signing dog. You can record that, and then you can record when the date that your child signed dog back to you. So it's it's a nice right. little little record.
0: That's an interesting way to kind of document that too. And what do you think that that in between period is? I know it certainly varies by child, and certainly varies by children on our caseloads, and can vary by a child's interest but how, how long do you think parents sometimes need to use signs before they can realistically expect their toddler to sign back?
1: Well, I think most babies will sign, but typically developing babies will sign back um, between 9 and 11 months of age. Um, mm-hmm. What they can understand before that is I mean, I my husband is, is Italian, his background is Italian, and I've taken Italian 101 many, many times. And I can understand more Italian than I can effectively or produce at all. Um, right. So there's always understanding before you're able to, to produce it. And, and what will happen with babies bad. who are not yet signing, um, there may be a two, three, even two, three-month period, um, right. depending on the baby that when you sign milk, they'll get really excited. Or when you sign bath, um, they'll calm down because they know something great is coming. So parents will always be telling me that, you know what, she's not signing yet, but I think she's getting it. I think she's understanding what I'm signing to (laughs) her. And even my kids now are 11 and 13 years, and they're incredibly verbal, sometimes too verbal. Um, But out in public, I can sign to them. And, and give them my gentle mummy mummy directions, I call them, um, <laughs> using sign language. So I don't need to embarrass them across a mall or across a park. Right, right.
0: I think what you said is so key, too, for speech pathologists to remember. You know, we, and, and just the, the theory of language acquisition is that babies understand more than they can communicate or more than they can mm-hmm. say. And we always then need to remember to really target that receptive language piece first. And so, for so yeah. many of our little guys' words full yet, so using a visual component like a sign mm-hmm. or a picture really helps, I like to say layer that language. So they yeah. not only have the verbal representation or the auditory representation of that word, what they can hear, but also what they can see. And for mm-hmm. so many of our little guys with visual strength, signing really helps anchor a word in a way that just speaking alone can't. So that's one thing I yeah. like to talk to parents about. And, again, it's not even at that expressive phase yet. They're not even using the sign yet. They're just learning what the sign is. The other reason that I really like signs are signs are symbolic, just like words are. They stand for something. They represent something. So when a child begins to indicate that he gets it, that he understands, like your great examples with milk or with bath, you know that he's becoming Yes. cognitively more advanced and that there's, you know, the symbolic thinker is mm-hmm. being born and so that we know that he is more developmentally ready to learn language than he had been when before. They think,
1: so I you reminded me of a little boy with, with autism um, who I used to work with, and he was four and a half. Um, when I started working with him, he was, was nonverbal. And they were starting to use the picture exchange communication system with him. Mm-hmm. And his therapist before me, he was seeing him in a child care center and was pulling him out of his his own room and going into oh, a quieter okay. room, the school age room that was had nobody in it. And she would do therapy with Bye. him in there. And I I didn't do that. I I met him in his in his classroom in the daycare and and with all the other kids around me, um, and did therapy in the classroom. And, and one of the reasons I wanted to do that was because I knew he could sign and his teachers yes. didn't know that he could sign and didn't believe. Right. And yes. so when he, I just started singing and signing the ABC song, I got to see and he put his hand up and was verbally saying all of the letters and signing them as well. And all of his teachers just their their heads just swung around and said, "Well, I didn't know he yeah. could do that," and uh, I was right. like, "Yeah, he can." And so what it really did was, as we evolved over the months, uh, and he learned more and was able to re- produce more expressively, um, the attitudes and the expectations from his teachers changed. They expected right. more from him, so they you right. know, he gave them more, right. and it it was it was brilliant to watch because. They had no expectations for for him to communicate because, oh, he can't speak.
0: Oh, that breaks my heart for him. And then why would he want to? What would the motivation be there if nobody thought that he could, you know, and they weren't setting up situations so that he could demonstrate, yes, I can. I submit your challenge, and yes, I do know what you're talking about. And I, it was wonderful because
1: after my second week there, there were these two other little girls who loved signing, um, typically developing, and they were his little buddies. After (laughs) I didn't know,
0: know just every they were
1: signing with him and and helping him out. It was wonderful to see.
0: Well, and how so? Then he had probably little peer connections and that social mm-hmm. development that, that his teachers probably had not seen before as well because yeah. they were able to kind of meet him where he was developmentally and do something that he mm-hmm. liked and that he could do. So that's just great. Uh, that's another benefit of signing is it really improves a child's joint attention. And joint yeah. attention, again, for our listeners means that the child pays attention to what you're doing and your shared experience there. And because the child becomes accustomed to looking at you to see what you're signing, sometimes we get these nice advancements in social skills because, again, there's a reason for the child to pay attention to you. But that's another benefit. And the this is the benefits that I've been saying. My my own little evidence-based practice resource is from uh speechpathology.com uh and that's an online site. And Sherry Robertson, uh, the speech pathologist, has a fantastic summary and has pulled together lots of journal articles and research studies. And again, that's the that's the article that I always use as my go-to reference there, and it's called Using Signs to Facilitate Oral Language, Building a Case for Parents. And so she really outlines all of the benefits that we've both been talking about with joint attention, with reducing the frustration, and one other thing that she talks about is better muscular control, and that's mm-hmm. so important for speech pathologists to think about because so many of our little friends are discoordinated when we start to work with them. And then that motor planning piece is affected. And, you know, how do I get that word from my brain to my mouth? A lot of times we need kind of an in-between step, meaning how do I get that sign from my little brain Mm -hmm. to my hand? And so it does really promote better motor um, control and purposefulness of movement with using signs like another system uh, may not. And so, I, again, I think that's that's another beauty, another benefit of introducing sign language uh, even to our youngest toppers that we're working with. Well, I
1: worked with I worked with one family who was 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 pretty resistant to signing, um, and um, they they got on board and we started. We started signing and, and, and speech therapy and, and a couple of weeks went by and, and mom came to me and said, you know, it's almost as if he needs to see himself make the sign and then he can say mm-hmm. it and do yeah, that planning piece again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, well, I mean, I if think typically when happen. you ask people directions, they will gesture where yeah. things are, and there's, there's, I mean, there's a great co- connection between gesture development and pointing, and, and, I mean, we know kids have joint attention because they're able to point, so right. there's definitely a connection there.
0: Huge connection there, and gestures almost always precede spoken words, and so, and that, yeah. that would be in children with typically developing skills, and in our children with communication delays, too. And it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is or what the etiology is. We really kind of trace it back. Even in children that have severe motor challenges, we usually see that gestural imitation precede any kind of spoken word. So it's, it's a huge hmm. marker to look for and a huge... Um, Again, a big strategy that we need to implement, especially as early yeah. interventionists, and even you know, working with like you said, your nonverbal preschoolers who at four and a half and five still don't have verbal words. We've got to give them a method mm-hmm. of communicating
1: and, 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 and that work. age as well. Um, when they when they've looked at little ones who are who are deaf, um, little ones who are deaf and in school, they can fingerspell spell before they can print wow so yeah. it's, a, it's a different spine motor skill that you're working on um, and again you put those expectations out earlier and who knows what it what effects it'll have on literacy
0: yeah i think that's an important an important point all right so tell me what your go to signs are that you introduced first sarah and i do know that there's some variability between from
1: family
0: to family and based on a child's Mm interest and blah, 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 and all
1: that. But what what is kind of your Uh, core uh, vocabulary thing? The core one definitely um, some of the earlier books talked about, and I'm going to produce them, but we're on the radio. Um, You can go to wehands.com and and look at our dictionary that we have online. Some first signs that that you can look at are are milk, more, and eat. And Mm -hmm. um, I signed some of the earlier books said just sign those three, and then when your baby starts producing them, you can add. I signed more than that because I knew more than that. I'm not fluent in American Sign Language, and my deaf friends will laughingly agree that no, she's not. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really a lady signer, talking. that's it. <laughs> um, we do use American Sign Language because it is the language of the deaf in North America, um, and I think it's important to to, to use a true language. Um, but milk more and eat. I signed um things that were really motivating to my son. Uh when he started, he was not motivated by food all all that much. Um, he's still mm-hmm. not a huge eater. Um I'm I'm waiting for those those teenage he's thirteen now, I'm I'm waiting for that kick in so that he eats us out of house and home. Um uh, but he's You know, was the truth is he start.
0: may be a picky eater forever. He really uh, might
1: be. I know because
0: uh, <laughs> I had a brother. Who, picky forever, and then now our youngest child is 17, and she is still a very picky eater, and there is no medical reason for that. You know, there's no, you know, she's never had any issues with anything, but she's just. A picky eater, and a so food eater. for her wasn't terribly motivating either.
1: Maybe so they have I'm, a very I'm fine so fine palate, and they'll be chefs one day. Um, but so I had to look at what was motivating for him. I and his for him. I don't want to be stereotypical, but but it was boy toys for him, um, yeah. and it was cars and and fish and dog and train. So those were some of his his first sign. His first sign was fish. Um, we were looking mm-hmm. at a book, and I was trying to do a song and dance to get him to eat at mealtime, and uh, I was reading a book to him, and I pointed to a picture of a fish, and I, and I said fish, and I signed fish to him, and before I turned the page, he looked at me with a big smile and signed fish back to me, and so Aww. I knew he was imitating me, um, so yeah. I put my hands underneath my, my legs, and I sat on my hands, And I, but I quickly pointed <laughs> to the picture again and kind of looked at him expectantly, and he spontaneously signed fish to me. Um, so the first one was modeled, the second one was spontaneous, um, and he didn't want fish. I mean, and, and again, he's thir- 13, and he will never say to me, Mommy, I'd like fish for dinner. Um, <laughs> but he was commenting. He wasn't requesting something. He was just wanted yeah. to share part of his world with me, which I think is so yeah. incredibly special. And yeah. at that same time, um, Nemo had just come out. And so we, and again, I bought Nemo DVD for a, a ten-month-old. Um, it wasn't really for him, <laughs> but we got we got a fish that day. Um, we started bombarding him with more fish vocabulary. We have our relatives right. in Italy actually sent us sent us a fish board book for for babies, and so uh-huh. he was hearing us read this Italian book about fish. And, and I'm not going to try to say any of the words right now because that'd be really <laughs> embarrassing. Um, but because <laughs> because we knew where his interests were, we were bombarding him mm-hmm. with vocabulary right. around those interests. Um, same thing with cars and and trains and and Thomas. I mean, we 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 get all of those Thomas the to- Tank um, toys and vi- videos because our our kids are so interested in them. So they know who they all are. I can't remember any of them right now. Percy and Thomas and and (laughs) Douglas. Again, we're going where their interests are. We I mean I I think at one point in time. I pointed to a picture when Josh was older and and I and I said I called whatever the Vehicle was a digger, and he just looked at me and he gave the oh mummy, that's not a digger, um, <laughs> because he knew exactly what this. I can't remember what it was, but it was it was much more complicated transportation vehicle than a digger. Yeah. Um, but again, we're looking at where their interests were. So so for for Joshua, what I signed were a lot of toys and, and things not food related. Um, Sabrina mm-hmm. came along 27 months later and. Um, she was very interested and motivated by food. So her first sign was no. Um, mm-hmm. And wow. I, I, and again, she was not saying, no, I don't want this. She, was, she crawled over to a, a plant that we have in the kitchen and started dig, uh, just Hello. about started digging and signed no <laughs> to me with a big, huge smile on her face. And so she wasn't assuring me, she wasn't saying, oh, mommy, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, She was completely joking with me at 11 months of age that I know you've been telling me this for three months not to do this, but I'm going to do it (laughs) with a big, huge (laughs) smile on her face. And, And then all of her signs that she learned were food related because that's what was motivating for her. Um, right. and, and what I like about both of those stories, is that Joshua wasn't requesting, Sabrina wasn't requesting, Josh was commenting, and Sabrina was completely messing with me. Um, and it allows you to see their personalities. And it, it just, yeah. Yeah. Because they're so different.
0: I will. And that does really also give a way for kids to kind of communicate those different pragmatic functions or different uses for science. I still teach request first, but you're right. And both of your children, though, language-wise, were typically developing. So they were, they had communicative intent and they, had great joint attention, and didn't have issues with that. And so, again, that Mm -hmm. might be why you saw some of that stuff earlier than, say, with your little clients that you worked with. Did you always start with requests with them, or did you find that you were seeing other parts of other communicative functions like you did with your own two typically developing kids?
1: I think it depended on where referrals came from. If referrals were coming from behavior therapists, um, and mm-hmm. they had done a functional analysis and we're looking at the majority of challenging behaviors because they, they don't have a way of appropriately escaping. We would, we would teach signs in that direction. So, um, right. right. I think in general, what, what I recommend is, is looking at about four to five words that are really motivating for your child. Um, mm-hmm. Food was not motivating for Josh, food was motivating for Sabrina. So that list will oh. be different per child. One little boy, right. his favorite thing was, was playing with sticks and manipulating like, wooden spoons and things in his hands and, and just kind of rotating yeah. them. And, and so mm-hmm. one of his first signs um, and we paired it with the picture exchange uh, communication system I brought in a picture that I had made up uh, for chopsticks. And I brought him mm-hmm. about 40 chopsticks, and he, wow. he just about started crying. He just started about crying. Actually, he did start crying because he was so. He, was
0: so
1: <gasps> he brought me sticks, my sticks, um, and he would request those like crazy. Um, so you really need to look at what's motivating for your, and, and it doesn't have to be typical stuff. It, if a lot of times when I'm talking to, I don't know if it's if, if it's dads, um, they say I want you to teach them to request potty, or go to that, yeah. or to go to the bathroom, and. Sometimes I have to say to them, especially when I was working with adults, and it's, it's, they're not motivated to, to let you know that Bye. it may not Bye. be one of the first things they communicate. Um, so Bye. I do look at about four to five signs that are really motivating for the individual, and every individual will be different. Chocolate mm-hmm. and coffee is on my list. Yeah. Um and <laughs> I would be cheesecake and French fries. So there you go. <laughs> yes. Um, and then four to five signs for things that happen frequently throughout the day. So right. you might not go to the mall every day, but you may, you go to the bathroom, you have right. have a meal, you like, things that happen frequently throughout the day. And I mean, oftentimes right. baby's day is sleeping, eating. Um, diaper changes, and, and, and playing. So look at signs that you can show them that may not be as motivating, but happen so frequently throughout the day that you're going to get a lot of opportunities to teach it and show Practice. it.
0: Yeah, I think those are important too. And I love your example about chopsticks. And so many therapists or you know, wooden things. And usually I know that my speech pathology friends out there are thinking, well, that was that little boy's Sam. She's she's probably bringing in things that were in STEM. And I would say to that, so what? Because that's what
1: he Stop likes. My that's that, That's going to get me yeah. to work for you.
0: <laughs> and that's what his motivation might be. And so I really have used Finny like toys. And mm-hmm. even I am, I am not a TV, video uh, app kind of therapist, but I have one little guy right now that. Five that I'm working with, and we are yeah. using lots of Spongebob videos because he has cerebral palsy, he's on the spectrum, he has a wide, uh, a long list of diagnoses. And the only real things that I can motivate him with are Spongebob videos, uh, butterscotch pudding, and a Lycra swing. And that that's about it. And so we use those things, and we really taught, some nice, nice skills based Mm -hmm. around not around toys, only around one little kind of food because he has so many swallowing problems in addition to being kind of a picky eater. And again he needed a movement activity in there too, but he rejects almost every traditional toy or even traditional activity. So you have to look at what a kid Mm -hmm. already likes to do because then that motivation is you can
1: take those those general guidelines and principles that you would you do for any and and you insert child X Y or Z and they're going to completely make you change them, um, but there's right. reasons and there's, there's logic behind it, Right. right. and it, exactly. and that's okay and that I mean that's something you do learn as a therapist through the years and and right. every child is going to teach you so many different things and it and but there's also yeah. that's just learning so you bring what you learn from these three children to the next thirty children that you see.
0: Oh, and I think that is such an important thing I have a story about signs and this is when I really learned that I was going to use signs with pretty much every child because I had a kid and again this was in say the mid 90s so I had worked for a few years but not for very long and I had a child who was already who was getting a diagnosis of autism was going through that formal evaluation process but he already had some language now it wasn't terribly functional. He was pretty echolalic, but he had some words. Because of that, I did not introduce signs because I thought, and again, this was earlier in my career when we were Mm -hmm. on that big, steep learning curve. And I thought, I'm not going to do it because he's already talking and because his parents were highly educated. And for some reason, I just felt like there was going to be pushback. So I made a lot of assumptions about this family and about this child. And I did not teach signs for that first three or four weeks. And then his developmental interventionist started, who, again, was a great, great teacher. And she came in, and she immediately started signs. So then the next visit that I had, his... Mother, point-blank, said to me, you know, the other therapist introduced some signs. She could not believe that you had not already done that because you oh, signed no. with everybody. Why didn't you do that? Because Mason has made incredible progress, and let me show you these three or four signs she's already doing quite well. And that was a okay. huge turning point for me and again an embarrassing not so flattering story but it's what happened and Mm -hmm. it really made me rethink those assumptions with why did I think those parents didn't want to sign why would I think that I shouldn't introduce signs just because you can already say a few words you know. and again really challenged some of those beliefs so I do think kids and families can teach you lessons that stay with you throughout your career
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and for any, I mean, we always talk about how we're going to prompt. Are we going to use gestures? Are we going to use visuals? Are we going to use, a, a sign can be a prompt?
0: Yeah. Oh, it totally can be a prompt. And I still use signs, even with a lot of my little guys who are talking, but who needs to be more spontaneous. So I'm using... My signs, as, again, their cue for what they need to say, Mm -hmm. signs are also fantastic for children who really struggle with speech intelligibility. So mom may still not understand the word cracker when they're trying to say it or even something more complex like or something, you know, a word that's really challenging to produce, and the Mm -hmm. child can sign it, and then it's like an aha moment for the mom, like, oh, that's what you're trying to say. But I think you can use it long after the child starts to um, become verbal and gain some words. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And you
0: could, you're using it even now with your teenagers and preteens in public so that you don't embarrass them to this.
1: Idea, yeah know. I have to be careful i'm gonna have to be careful at some point in time in a couple of years with gestures they use back to me but um but yeah, so that they can i remember when my son was on the hockey rink and and he was six or seven years old and and um he was was trying to sign I love you to me uh with full hockey gear on and and he started laughing in the middle of the rink because you can't move the fingers of a hockey hockey glove. At all, uh, but it just created these these little memories, and and
0: yeah. I think I have
1: more memories of my kids as they were younger, uh, because they were able to direct a lot of the communication. And yeah, I, Sabrina, when she was in kindergarten, she had two little girls with um, special needs in her classes, and one of them was using a um, a touch talker, a, a dynamite uh, voice output device and the other one was using pictures and signs and, and she came home one day and she said you know I really like Isabella because she likes pink just like me and she liked this other girl uh, because she had a Tinkerbell umbrella and I'll make up the name of I'll it and she said you know what and Mary she just signs she doesn't talk she just signs so I signed with her and, and I saw Sabrina sign with this little girl and I thought oh she's so cute she's signing um, and then I saw the look on the other girl's mom's face and right. she thought that she would never send her little girl to school, and nobody would understand her. Um, right. I signed with my baby, um, and yeah. Sabrina was able to to sign at a really simple level with her, and say, "Come." She actually signed, "Come play," uh, with this Aww. little girl, and and the mom's face was just, I, I, she didn't think anybody was able to communicate with her daughter, but my my daughter right. did. And she met It a France, just creates some connection, yeah. um, right. where we were having a debate saying, well, I don't know if we should use signed English or we can use American Sign Language or made delayed speech. And, and, and then I have kids in front of me who are just making up their own signs uh, yeah. while we're debating around them. It's like, excuse me, I wanted the cheerios. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to make it up because that. I'm trying to communicate <laughs> <Yeah>. with you. <laughs> so I, I, really, I this- just throw the debate out the window. And and just yeah. do it because it works and it's fun.
0: Yes, it totally does. All right, so we are at the end of this forty five minutes here, and I know you have a client, so we want to let you get no. off here. Talk, I know it always goes so fast. So we're going to have to have you back really soon so that we can
1: absolutely
0: finish this great conversation. But I, before absolutely. you leave, I want you to talk about wee hands and your cute DVDs and how you have paired music with signing and. Talk to us just for a few minutes about
1: that. Well, I think music is such an engaging thing. And babies, toddlers, preschool children, for the most part, they don't care if you can sing or not. They just want right. a connection between you and them. And right. what you, we use finger, sp- finger plays and, and everybody does Itsy Bitsy Spider a certain way. Why not pair it with something that's really functional? that's going to be used mm-hmm. outside of the song. I use the song to engage them, get their attention. Um, and it, it's a teaching opportunity. And it, it's just, I have the worst singing voice in the world. Um, and my son at three three years did come up to me and put his hand over my mouth and said, Mommy, no sing. Um, <laughs> but but if, and he was younger than that, actually. Um, but if you can... Get down on their level and and start singing and and in a in a really fun animated way, add the gestures to it it's it 's just like the pied piper they will follow you except for my own children yeah. um anywhere and you can you can get their attention and when you get their attention, you can teach them things so i I love signing and singing, and I really encourage don 't be afraid because your kids don 't care if you 've brushed your teeth if you 've combed your hair, if you have a voice that sounds horrible or not, just just do it because it's fun and, and they love it.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Okay, now, your little song, Time to Change Your Diaper, and I think that yeah. video is on the homepage of com. That is my earworm a lot. I will <laughs> be going throughout my very adult day and will somehow hear that song <laughs> in my mind and so let me just encourage any of our listeners to go 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 hear it for yourself very (laughs) nice i love it yeah but i love it i think it's such a cute little song and i like that your songs are slow they're slow enough to give children time to process and it's not that they're not upbeat and peppy too you just sing them at a rate that children can keep up, not only yeah. with when they begin to sing and sign, but when they're learning what these words mean. And yeah. so I so really appreciate that about your work as well.
1: So thank go you, check everybody. Out we um, yay! And everybody on the DVD—they are—they are deaf. I produced it with the Deaf Professional Arts Network, but we did purposely make them fun and upbeat, um, and pace at a pace that you can sign to. Um, right. And we also looked at songs that were very functional vocabulary wise so one of the songs is, like is a really fun song on top of spaghetti um, and typically that 's not a baby song, but it's got really functional language in it uh, so that's right. one of the reasons that that I chose it so you can your visit your listeners can go to wehands.com uh, to take a peek at it and i 'll also talk' the um, website for blue balloon where i'm where I'm working with now and doing some incredible things it's www.blue-balloon.com and you can you can take a peek at that and see some great things that are coming down the pipeline.
0: I think that sounds great and I think you have some of your your WeHands videos on YouTube as well. I think I've watched a couple yeah. on YouTube. You have some of those on yeah. there so if, anyone, if you want to check that out on YouTube as well. Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. You've been so much fun to talk to. And again, it felt about like 10 minutes versus 45 I know. I'd love to have you back on so we can talk about, we've kind of gotten through the, the beginnings of why signing is such a good idea and kind of those, those first few little considerations. But I want to have you back to talk about how to keep going. Definitely.
1: With it, I so wish of, you were going to ASHA because I'd love to I love know. to meet you. But if any of your other listeners come by the WeHands booth and we can, we can chat more. But I want to have you on my show and I'll come back on your show definitely.
0: That sounds great. Well, thanks for joining us, and I know you've got to say you're ready for your client. Thank you again, Ella. So I appreciate much. it. It was okay. so nice to meet you. All right, bye. Nice meeting
1: you, too. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. All right, she was a fun, fun guest. I can't wait to have her back. She's, again, I think a kindred spirit with how we feel about signing and singing and all those things. So check out her, um, check out her cute, cute products. All right, I didn't start the show with announcements, but I want to finish with that. This is my week to be in Charleston, West Virginia on Thursday and Friday. We still have room for you. If you want to come and have not yet signed up, we'd love to uh, have you there. You can pop on teachmetotalk.com and sign up. And if you're having difficulty with that, you know that you can always email me for help with anything uh, website-related at laura at teachmetotalk.com. I will be in Louisville, which is, again, I'm calling this the hometown event since I live just outside Louisville, Kentucky. And for all of my Kentucky friends, I'm doing uh, Steps to Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers on Thursday, December 5th, and that's at Louisville Marriott East. And you can find out uh, registration details and sign up for that at teachmeetotalk.com And then the very next day... On Friday, December sixth I'll be doing the same course excuse me in Indianapolis at I've forgotten where I am. I think it's the Renaissance Indianapolis North, which is in Carmel um, and it's a new hotel beautiful, beautiful um, new course <laughs> that's never been done in Indiana before. I'm getting a little help. Can you hear? Uh, with what to say here, but new course for Indiana and Kentucky. So even if you've heard me before in those two states, this is, I've, there's been some confusion with that about whether this is the same course that I did in 2010 and 2011 here. No, no, no. Brand new. So you need to come, need to come hear that. Also, um, Early Speech-Language Development, Taking Theory to the Floor, the Expanded Edition, is on DVD, and that is a 12-hour course. And if you find yourself here at the end of 2013 with no continuing education hours, and you are desperate to know how you're going to fulfill your licensure requirements for this year, check out my DVD, because we have ASHA CEUs for speech-language pathologists. And if you are early interventionists but don't have to log your hours through ASHA, You can still do that. You'll get a Certificate of Completion, and I encourage you to check that out. And, again, sometimes we as professionals don't take this continuing education portion of our job as seriously as we should, and we try to do things that are free, that have no meaning and no relevance to our daily (laughs) jobs whatsoever – don't do that. You've got to use your time wisely and you need to make yourself better and better and better with every CEU that you acquire. So um, I just encourage you to check that out and, and again, do yourself a favor and, and learn something that, that would be meaningful for your everyday job. I think those are all the announcements um, that I have for today. And so I think we're just going to wrap up the show. Next week, I'm not sure what, who the guest is. I probably shouldn't have worked with that, but that's okay. I hope you'll join me for the show anyway. Thanks so much, and have a great day.